So I will start off by saying that your bulletin is wrong. Uh, and there's no one to blame but me. So I changed the sermon. Uh, so, so we were doing this series on John the Baptist. Uh, it's great, going well. Um, but we're actually going to finish that next week. So this week is a, it's more of a one-off thing. Um, I'm calling it Every Summer Has a Story. Um, and so we're going to do that. So um, your scripture reading is wrong. It actually is Ecclesiastes 3, uh, verses 1 through 11. Uh, you'll probably recognize some of it. Again, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear down and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do the workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in human hearts. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The word of God. In case you don't know much of your Old Testament wisdom literature, and I know you're all experts in Old Testament wisdom literature, but bear with me. Uh, first of all, before I get into that, I just love our new tenor section. Uh, <laughs> off to my right here. You can hear it, right? I don't know if it's the angled wall. You all sounded great. Uh, it's just singing with your full heart, and I think it's the angled wall. It like came right back to me over here. Uh, it was wonderful. Welcome. <laughs> Again, I don't know how much you know about Old Testament wisdom literature, but here's a really, really broad overview from essentially the top of my head. So we'll see how good it is. But, uh, of course, many of us know Psalms, right? Psalms are uh, this, this whole long book, and, and there's many, many different components, but, but a lot of it is these wisdom sayings. And Psalms generally tell us uh, kind of the way things uh, normally are. So sometimes you'll read in Psalms and you'll get to a verse and, and it'll say something like, the blessed, um, those that follow God and follow his commands are blessed, and those that don't, uh, you know, will, will reach destruction. And you might come to a point in life where you're like, that, that hasn't been how I've experienced life, 
For some reason, something's been going on in life, and you're like, I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not receiving any blessing. I'm not, it, it's, like, it's almost like uh, the cursing is coming because I'm doing the right thing. And then you see these other people, and you're like, they don't love Jesus. They're, they're not following him at all. They actually, uh, they just kind of drag his name through the mud, but yet, but yet why, why are they doing so well? Why do their families seem to be going uh, really well and mine is struggling? Or, or what, what's going on here? And that's where it's helpful in the Bible that we don't just have one book on wisdom. Because Psalms is, is great for kind of the general rule. Uh, but then we also have Proverbs. Proverbs simplifies it even more. Proverbs, it goes down to like individual statements. And then it really gets kind of into that nitty gritty of like, um, you know, do, do this wise thing and this good thing will happen. But then we get Ecclesiastes, and I love Ecclesiastes because Ecclesiastes is a little more my personality, where, where it's more like, no, nah, it doesn't always go that way. <laughs> so if you find yourself in that place, when you read Proverbs, when you read Psalms, that you're like, oh, come on. Like, I, in the perfect world, sure, I believe that. But, but in my world, in the world I live in, in the world that that has sin all around, the world that has broken relationships, that has hurt people. I don't, I don't see that playing out all the time. But the author of Ecclesiastes, he's our people. He's, he's one of our people. He gets what we're talking about. He gets that the world is a complicated place. That sometimes uh, even the best people, even the, the people that are the most loyal to God, even the people that seek after God with their whole heart, experience hardship. And they experience pain, and, and sometimes it's just for a season, and other times it's this, this long period of time, this long period of, of seeking after God, thinking uh, we're doing the right thing, being earnest in it, uh, but then not experiencing that blessing. And some of you are nodding, so I think that means that you've been there. Or at least you've seen people in your own lives. You've seen times where, where you think maybe... Uh, Maybe God should be blessing me if everything that says in the Bible, all this stuff, it, it seems like that should be happening, but I'm not experiencing it right now. I'm experiencing this pain, and, and I can't seem to get over it. So uh, as we get here into Ecclesiastes 3, it really starts boiling it down. And there's a reason that, that we often read this scripture at funerals. Right? Ecclesiastes 3, it's, it's probably less often read Fourth of July weekend. And it's more often read at funerals, right? Uh, and I'm not trying to make a statement or anything, but, but it is interesting as you read it that there's a time for everything. And there's just kind of this natural flow to life. Um, certain things are appropriate in certain times. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. That, that's just how the world works. There's a time to plant. There's a time to uproot. You know, growing up, I grew up uh, in Minnesota. Uh, my wife and I both did, but we lived several hours apart. But my family had uh, this awesome thing that, that I know many of you will appreciate. We had a cabin. Uh, and it wasn't in the woods. It was on a lake. So we would drive about an hour and a half from our house. Uh, and we would go into Wisconsin. And there was a, a lake cabin there. And it was kind of the whole extended family. It was like a big family reunion every time we would go. And especially growing up, so many of my like little kid like summer memories are all around the lake cabin, uh, and I just loved it. We would we would do camping trips. We would uh, sometimes take the canoes out and, and go float down uh, one of the rivers uh, right there and, and have a, a car wait for us on the other side. 
uh, just beautiful times. And I remember many, many times of, of fishing off the dock and um, catching nothing more than little sunfish, but just having a blast, right? Um, and one of my favorite memories uh, would always come up every 4th of July. So 4th of July, everyone goes to the cabin, and you're not in, like, fire danger country. You're in the Midwest. It, like, it had a thunderstorm yesterday. You know, like, you're fine. So everyone would have all these fireworks, and I had, uh, I was going to say uncle, I don't know, what, my dad's cousin. I don't know what that's called. Once removed, whatever. Uh, they would also come up, and he was a police officer in Minnesota. And you know how often, uh, many states have this, where like the one state has really strict fireworks laws, and then the state right next to them has like no fireworks laws uh, at all. You're aware, right? So Minnesota was the strict one, and Wisconsin, where the cabin was, had like nothing. It was like, don't shoot it at a house. You know, like that was it. Um, so how it would legally work, and, and he, was a, he was a police officer, uh, they would take all these fireworks from people all week long, right? <laughs> I'm not like outing him, right? This is a, it's a legitimate thing. And, and if the, they would take all these fireworks in Minnesota that were all illegal there. And if they sat in the dumpster uh, for, I think, 24 hours, and I think they locked the dumpster. Uh, they sat in the dumpster for 24 hours, they become public property. So then all the cops that had cabins in Wisconsin would go fill up their pickup trucks full of fireworks and, and drive into the state where it's legal, uh, and we would have like a city's worth of fireworks. And we weren't the only one on the lake. Right, so Matt, you're sitting out on the lake, and, and they're all competing, right? So you have this big bottle rocket go off, and then the other side of the lake has one. And the, the lake is large, but the sound reflects so well off the water that you can hear people cheering, you know, all around the lake. You know, ooh, ah, you know, they're clapping. Uh, really, really fun. And, and I remember uh, sitting by the fire, you know, all these fireworks going off. Just, just what a beautiful sight. Uh, you know, and I think summer for a lot of us, this is one of these seasons that we look forward to, right? We're not like in, we're not in Phoenix, where, where the summer is scary. Uh, we look forward to the summer. We get to enjoy it. We get to go outside. We get to be in nature. We get to see God's beautiful creation. Uh, so I think many of you, like me, summer is the season of great joy. It's the season worth looking forward to, but, but we have other seasons in life, too, Right? I mean, I've had, I've had summers where I would say, yeah, they're all about great joy. And then I've had other summers that are more about sadness. Uh, more about pain. More about maybe the loss of a loved one. Um, kind, of, kind of a harder time. And, and it's like every single season and every single summer has its own unique story. Um, and it's, it's, the true, it's true in our spiritual lives. You know, I think also, I mean, we have, we have real seasons, you know, as, as uh, our seasons go on, but we also kind of have these spiritual seasons. We have these times where we feel like it's summer. We feel like everything's going well, that we're just, we're just on track with God. We feel like uh, we're with him. We can just have, have the joy, have all the experience. It's, it's like sitting there and watching the fireworks. It's just a beautiful time. Uh, and, and what a joy it is, but then we just as quickly have, have other seasons. We have seasons where, where they're more about pain in our own spiritual lives. We have seasons that are more about regret. We have seasons where, where maybe, it's, maybe we're not 
solely feeling the loss, but, but we definitely are in a season of preparation more than we are in a season of experiencing God's joy. And then, of course, beautiful seasons of rejuvenation uh, that we're able to kind of start to feel that we're on the edge of something, something really great. You know, as we walk through these seasons, it can be really tempting. It can be really, um, really easy to let them affect how we think we're doing with God. We all have these different seasons of life, right? But if we only feel close to God in the summer, spiritual summer, (laughs) right? And then we're in the winter and we think, oh, well, God doesn't care about me now because I'm not feeling him the same. What happened to the fireworks? Fireworks were great. And I was sitting there, I was, I was experiencing it all, and there was just this beauty, and it, and it was wonderful, and I felt God's presence, and God was with me, and there was all these awesome things happening in my life. And, and then pretty soon, we find ourselves two or three seasons later, and it could be an hour later, or it could be a literal you know, season later in life. But, but it makes us start to question our relationship with God, or at least God's relationship with us. Right, I've had these times in my own life where, where it just feels like I pray and like, like God is right next to me. Like I pray and God is right there and he's just hearing every word and he's just got his arms around me and it just feels so wonderful. And then there's other whole seasons. Big, big seasons, not like a day. Right? Big chunks of time where, where it feels like it goes up to the roof and just bounces back down. Is God even listening? Is God even responding? How come I can't hear it? How come, how come I pray for things to happen and I go out into the world and I don't see any evidence of it? I, I pray for, for friends, I pray for relatives, and then I go and I, I interact with them and I don't, I don't feel like God's doing anything. I don't feel like God's connecting with them in the ways that, that I wish he would. So continue the metaphor here. The, the summer's of our lives, there are these wonderful times where we're connected with God. There are these times that, that are known for bearing fruit. We are fruitful in that season, and we can just feel God's abundance all around us. But quickly, the autumn tends to come, as it always comes. And autumn is, is more of a time of change. It's a time of transition. We can see it in the natural world, right? We can see our our world transitioning into a new season. Something is going to happen, and and we see it in our spiritual lives, too. There's there's some kind of transition that those beautiful long nights of summer have somehow faded off. And and for whatever it looks like in your life, the leaves have started to change. The, The weather has started to get a little colder. And then we enter into maybe a season of winter. And it's this time of barrenness. But it can also be this time of preparation. One of the beautiful things about living up here um, is that I get to see Arnold and the surrounding area all four seasons every year, right? Um, And and evergreens are really nice because they kind of pretend it's not winter. (laughs) Where I grew up, there wasn't as many evergreens. They they were all, you know, broadleaf, uh, trees, maples, and such, and they were beautiful during the year, right? The summer, big, huge green leaves. In the fall, they turn many different colors, and it's just gorgeous to see. And then in the winter, they look dead. And I think we've probably been there, right? Where, where the, what does the evidence show? 
Unless we really get down and, and we, we somehow look inside of the tree, it looks like they're all dead. And that can be our own spiritual lives, too. We're going through these hard seasons. And, and if you were to ask a friend, you know, what, what do you see going on in my life? They're like, well, if they were honest, hard to find a friend like that. But if they're honest, they would say, well, I don't, I don't see a lot of growth happening. I don't see a lot of fruitfulness. And if they're really kind, maybe they say, I see a season of preparation. You know, that might, that might be a nice friend. But, but when we're stuck in the winter, it's a season of barrenness. And then the spring, there's, there's some joy that comes forward. There's, there can be this rebirth, this rejuvenation. The leaves start to bud out on the trees. There's, there's hope for a better future uh, ahead of us. And then, of course, summer, a season of bearing fruit. A season of embracing the abundant life that God has given us. Galatians 5. 22 through 24. Again, a very famous verse in Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit. One thing I love about the fruit of the Spirit uh, all throughout Scripture is that it's singular. Have you ever noticed that before? It's singular in English, and it's also singular in Greek. It's not all these different, like, fruits. That, that way you can't read the list and be like, Oh, I like joy, but I don't know about patience. I don't have that fruit. It's like, no, you have fruit, and it looks like all these different flavors, or you don't have the fruit, <laughs> right? That's kind of what, what it's saying. It's like, you, when you have the Holy Spirit, it looks like this. This is what it's going to look like in your life. And let me just read it for you. This is Galatians 5, starting in 22. Talking about walking with God and God being in us and us being in God. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Isn't that just beautiful? One fruit. It's not, it's not a bunch of little fruits. <laughs> you can't pick which ones you want to show in, in what season. Right? It can't be like, okay, well, if I, if I have God and it's in the winter, maybe my fruit is only, uh, is only a patient one, if you want to call it patience. <laughs> maybe I'll just wait out God, but I don't want to be gentle right now. I don't want to have self-control. You know, I'm going through hardship myself, and, and, and when we get to the summer, oh, this beautiful time of feeling the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives. And what does it look like? It looks like these things. It looks like love. And it looks like joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Again, one fruit, but many, many flavors. Before moving out to Arnold, uh, my family and I, we lived in a small town in Illinois. Uh, I said we were from Minnesota. We've been around. So Illinois is a different state, also in the Midwest. Uh, it has more than just Chicago. Uh, there's actually huge sections of Illinois, believe it or not, that look more like Iowa or Nebraska, if you wanted to stereotype. <laughs> 
Uh, number one corn producer in the U.S., Illinois, woo woo, right? You're all like, yeah, we're happy for them. <laughs> uh, so we lived in Illinois. We lived in this small farming town. Uh, nice place to live. We lived right in town. Our house was uh, this old Victorian house built in 1876. Uh, really fun. Uh, took work all the time, as old houses do. Uh, but really fun. And, and even though we were right in town, we had this massive garden. So the house was old enough that our garage used to be a carriage house. Yeah, you're not on the West Coast. <laughs> it used to be a carriage house. So, and our carriage house was a big one. So now we could fit two cars like back to back. But there was these awkward support pillars. Or front to back, whatever you want to say. Uh, there was these awkward support pillars, and that's because that used to be the pens for the horses. So this was a big carriage house. You could leave the, the harnessing equipment on, uh, still pull the carriage in, and, and house your four horses inside. And the reason I tell you this is the garden was right next to the carriage house. And you would imagine what kind of stuff would be shoveled out of a carriage house <laughs> and eventually tossed outside, right? Uh, and generally, that kind of stuff use your imagination, uh, is, is pretty good for a farm, <laughs> pretty good for a garden, right? Uh, and it had been a garden for many, many years. So, so we didn't use any special stuff. We didn't, we didn't help it grow. We planted uh, seeds or, or little tiny plants, and then we just watched them flourish. Uh, and we had this great big garden. For example, we would do cherry tomatoes. The cherry tomato plants from one little plant would grow through the summer. By the end of the summer, they were at least five foot around and about eight feet tall. I'm a fairly tall guy. I could not harvest the top tomato. They would keep growing up there, uh, but I couldn't even reach up and harvest it because you're so far away, right? Um, just from one plant. And, and it would just be like that for every plant we would grow. Just, just ridiculously abundant. Just almost comically so. We would take pictures and send them to family. <laughs> and be like, look at the size of our tomato plants. You know, I mean, there must be hundreds, thousands of cherry tomatoes growing out at any time. And, and we would go out with the kids and we'd have the big mixing bowls. And we would go out and we'd fill them with tomatoes, overflowing. And then you'd bring it back in. You'd go out the next day and you'd fill it again. I mean, just an incredible amount. It, it was actually, it was kind of ridiculous. It, it, was, kind, it was almost silly. How much, how much it would grow. And, and we would take our tomatoes. We could only eat a certain amount. We had, we had a good uh, kind of salsa garden was how we kind of designed it. So there was peppers and there was all that. So, so we weren't much into canning, but we would do you know, tons of salsa all the time. Um, and there was just so much we couldn't even keep up. We, we would, it would overflow to our neighbors. It would overflow to people from our church. It would overflow to our friends. Um, and I think about this, these seasons of summer in our own lives and, and this idea of this overflow that should be coming out. That when we're experiencing this fruitfulness, that when we're experiencing all of God's goodness, all of God's blessings, everything God has for us, our gratitude and our thankfulness should just overflow, right? It should just overflow to the people around us, our, our neighbors, uh, our friends, uh, People from church, you know, whoever it is, that they should just know it about. They should feel it. Um, people knew we were people with a lot of tomatoes. 
There was no way of hiding it. There were so many tomatoes. The garbage man would come and he'd see it over the fence. The giant tomato plants. Even the garbage man knew how many tomatoes we had. Because we were that blessed, right? Because we were that blessed with this abundance that, that no matter who we ran into, people knew. And, and it should be that way in these seasons of summer in our own spiritual lives. No matter who we're running into, no matter who we're interacting with, uh, we can just we can overflow uh, this love. We can overflow this abundance. So here's my advice to you. I don't know what season uh, each of you finds yourself in right now. Uh, but if you find yourself in a spiritual summer, uh, and I pray that, you, that some of you do, most of you do, hopefully. Um, I know there's some winters out there, there's some autumns, there's some springs. Uh, but if you find yourself in one of these seasons where, where you just see God's fruitfulness, where you just see God's abundance, where you, just, you can just feel it in every area of your life, there's, there's some tricks to, to kind of harnessing that and getting you through these other seasons. Right? And one of the tricks is, is I like to call making a memory. So I explained to you this, this 4th of July memory, right, with all the fireworks around the lake. And, and it's a beautiful memory. And it's actually one that if in my spiritual life, if I have something that's the equivalent, during those seasons of winter, I can look back at that. Right? That, that's what I love about so many times in Scripture. People come to Jesus and, and they ask him who he is. Uh, we talked about it last week with John the Baptist. He, he sends some of his disciples and says, just, just go find out who Jesus is. You know, I'm sitting in prison. Uh, I, got, I got nothing going on around me. And, and I'm worried that, that I've pointed people to the wrong Messiah. So, so go to Jesus. Find out if he is um, who he says he is. And how does Jesus respond? Anyone that was here last week? Hopefully you remember. <laughs> Some of you raised your hands. That's good. I won't like call on you. That feels mean. Uh, Jesus responds by pointing John and John's disciples at what is going on. He says, look around you. The blind are receiving sight. The deaf are hearing. He, the list goes on and on. He, he says, look around you at what's happening. That's who I am. And he's pointing towards the Old Testament. He's saying, who's talked about in Isaiah? The one who is to come that's going to do all these things. That's who I am. And and I would say it's the same in our own lives when we're in these, these spiritual seasons that are anything but summer. Look around you. Look what God has done in your own lives. Look backwards in time. Remember when God was right there? Remember when it was easy? Remember when you prayed and it, and it felt like his arms were around you? That he couldn't get any closer? Th those are memories. Those are moments that can drive us through these other seasons. Those are moments that, that can really uh, dig down deep inside of who we are and, and, and drive us forward. Before being a lead pastor, I did youth ministry for many, many years. And making a memory was always uh, one of the goals for any big youth event. So if you've never, if you've never done a lot of youth ministry, this, here's my youth ministry 101 crash course. Uh, so you always want to make a memory. So whether if that's youth group or if that's some overnight thing or some camping thing, you always want to make a memory so that when their lives are hard, speaking of the teenagers, when their lives are hard, and we do know that they will, they will experience hardship, that they will have memories, maybe even from youth group, of when God was so close, 
of when God was so near. So again, I'm kind of pulling back the curtain here. So, so as a youth pastor, when I would be designing stuff, I'd always be asking, okay, we have this event. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's the area of scripture. Here's, here's what we're going to eat. Here's what we're going to do. All these different things. And it was always the question, which one of these is the memory? One of them's got to be that good. It could be the food. And sometimes it was, but it's normally not like a box of pizza. You're not going to remember a box of pizza years later. But if you do a silly game with some food, and it's maybe super disgusting, like you take a Happy Meal and you blend it up, uh, and then you do... You all could come. You blend it. You, got it. you could do a little Mountain Dew in there. It'll help it out. Well, you need to. It's so salty. Have you, ever bl- have you ever blended up a Happy Meal? Come on, people. So incredibly salty. You need that Mountain Dew. Chocolate milk was a bad choice that one year. <laughs> so, so you blend it up, and then you do like a hot potato style. You know, you start the music, and when it stops on the one kid that seems bold enough, you pu- hit pause, because someone's controlling the song. Uh, and, and you know that that kid's going to be, and he takes his little sip, right? And it goes around, and then it gets to one of the adult leaders, and you pick out which one it is, because you're the youth pastor. Uh, and then you pause it, and that adult leader, because, because it's their job, because they love these teams, they're going to ham it up, and they just start shoveling this stuff in. Right? And it's so bad. It's so bad. But you're making that memory, right? That's the whole point of that. <laughs> you're making this memory. No, I've just made your own memory. Oh. Uh, you can do it later. There's the McDonald's and Angels Camp. Uh, we're not sponsored by them, but you can, <laughs> you can head down. Uh, But it can be something as silly as that, or it can be this really significant spiritual element of what you're doing. Maybe maybe you're going to write some stuff down, and and you haven't been able to give it to God, and and you feel like uh, no matter what you do, that that you try to to pray for it, and it keeps coming back. And and then uh, we've done this, where you look in the Old Testament, and you say, well, what do they do with stuff that they want to give to God? This very Old Testament mindset says God is up there, I'm not telling you this is true, but it says God is up there and we're down here and we can only throw stuff so far. That, that's the basics of what's happening. So how do we get it up there? Any idea? We burn it, right? We put it in smoke because the smoke goes up. Right? That's, that's what's going on in their worldview. God is up there. We're down here. I can only throw this offering so high and God, and God is not catching it and bring it the rest of the way. So, so in order to get it up there, I turn it into smoke and I send it up to God. So we did the same thing with these letters that we wrote about stuff we, we felt like we couldn't give to God. Felt like kept coming back, kept, like, kept bouncing off the ceiling. And then we'd go outside and then we would burn it. And that, that was the memory for the night. Right? So we can do these things in our own spiritual journey. And it's especially important when things are going well, be intentional about making the memory. Be intentional about remembering the blessing, remembering the the times of fruitfulness, remembering what God is doing, because in the winter, when it's it's barren, and best case scenario, it's a season of preparation. Worst case scenario, it feels like like God is really far away. In in those moments, you're going to need to remember. You're going to need to remember who God is, how much he loves you who he is in your life, the evidence he has shown before. I love this quote. Uh, It's from an unknown source, but it just simply says, the seasons may change, 
but our good God, our loving Father, never does. What a beautiful truth. No matter what season you're in, no matter what season you find yourself in right now, that, that God that was with you in those summer, those spiritual summers, it's the same God. It, it's not... It's not that he, is now, he was here and now he's far away. It's, it's that the relationship, uh, you know, that's where you're feeling it. God only feels far away because, because we're not feeling the connection. Right? But it's not because God's actually far away. It's because he's so close. Why don't I read for you again Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11, and then we'll end with that. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do the workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in human hearts. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end.